You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington Church. So good to see you guys this morning. How are you all? All right. Welcome to those of you online. We are the featured campus online today, so we want to give a very special welcome to you. We have a lot of stuff to celebrate today, so I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet this morning, and we're going to celebrate, start by just celebrating the victory that we have in Jesus. Yeah, let's put our hands together, okay? So you ready to celebrate Kensington? Here we go. One, two, three, four. Chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, and now you call me a citizen of heaven.
Well, there is so much to celebrate this morning. And in fact, in just this next few minutes, we're gonna take a look back over the year and see how God has moved in us and through us in the nations of the world. So take a seat and check out this video as we continue to celebrate. The earth is a big place. There are a lot of needs out there. Sometimes we may feel small when trying to make a difference. But when we come together as one community, we can do amazing things. Join us as we reflect again on the past year and the impact Kensington Church has made on communities all around the world. Kensington has 11 global partners who are doing incredible work in the name of Jesus. We are committed to leaping the cultural divide and flying that great distance to build authentic community with these men and women. And the beautiful thing about real community grounded in Jesus, it's contagious. We're in community with our global partners and we're enabling them to build healthy communities in their respective countries. When we started our global partners program almost 20 years ago, we had a vision of partnering with indigenous leaders. Rather than Kensington starting something new, we wanted to partner with, with people that, that knew the language, that knew the culture, uh, that knew their communities the best. So we developed relationships with some incredible partners along the way. We know their families, we know their dreams. We spend time together as often as we can. Our partnership in one Latin American island nation, Undisclosed for Security, is supporting a church planting movement that has reached more than 148,000 people with the gospel and with more than 15,000 individuals making the choice to become followers of Jesus. In 2021, 849 new churches were started, which will continue reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. This year, our global partner in Afghanistan has experienced fear, violence, but also God's faithfulness. As one of the most unreached countries in the world, our partnership with Big Life is igniting the house church movement and discipling new believers at great personal risk. When the Taliban established control in August of 2021, we collected emergency funds to support Big Life in the aiding and evacuating of more than 38,000 people during this period of extreme violence and danger. We had people starting to contact Big Life saying, um, you guys are gonna need some help. We're gonna start raising some money. We had people outside of our organization that just started raising money for us. Kensington Church stepped up and said, we need to help with this as well. We need to send you some money to help rescue efforts. Kensington's oldest global partner is Christ Evangelical Mission near Rajamundry, India. CEM provides holistic care to the poorest of India through medical care, education, orphan care, skill training, ministry training, and church planning, and also caring for the abandoned elderly. This spring, CEM held a huge dedication celebration for the opening of the new Agape Old Age Home. This new building, which will house 90 elders when full, is now in use with each elder having a personal bedroom and bathroom. We love supporting this organization as they give elders in India more than a roof, but also a loving community and dignity during their final years. Our newest global partner is also in the country of India. We have been partnering with the Timothy Initiative to support the house church movement in Northern India for just over a year. The results? Over 1,500 churches have been planted and nearly 18,000 people have come to know Jesus. Since 2003, we have partnered with Pokot Outreach Ministries to reach the Pokot people of Western Kenya. This organization focuses on orphan care, church planting, women's empowerment, and clean water initiatives. Kensington's own Hope Water Project supports the digging of clean water wells in this harsh region of the world. In April of this year, two more wells were dug, literally changing the lives of thousands. And the money for a third well was just raised through the 5K and Fun Run events. All this that we are doing, uh, the greatest support comes from Kensington. And uh, even the seeds that we distributed to the farmers last year, Many families receive the seats, uh, 1,400 families. Uh, but uh, above that, I was telling them uh, it was an opportunity. We leverage all this to point to Jesus and the, the love of Jesus. We also saw an incredible turnout for Zero Tolerance Day on February 6th. More than 2,000 people gathered in a remote village to take a stand against the practice of female genital mutilation. Our global partner in Nepal, Our Daughters International, is changing lives, especially the lives of women. It is estimated that up to 35,000 girls are trafficked from Nepal each year, and our partner is making incredible strides against this evil. They are educating whole communities, monitoring border stations in search of the vulnerable, rescuing victims, and rehabilitating women in safe homes where they are counseled, educated, and equipped to lead. 
In just this past year alone, over 14,000 girls were counseled at the border between Nepal and India. 98 girls were rescued and a new safe home was opened. Thank you, Kensington Community Church family. Thank you so much for your generous support. Thank you so much for your prayers. And I'm right now standing in front of the building and that is a safe house. And we are ready now welcoming the daughters uh, from those who are, I mean, trafficked, uh, those who have been abused, and now gonna come here and start seeing their dream again in their life. They would be happy, they would be laughing, they would be running around, and they would get a new life here. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for your prayer support. Thank you so much for standing alongside, beside these daughters to see their life regenerated again. Thank you, in Jesus' name. We just pray that this building will be a place of transformation. Thank you again for your help. One of the greatest impacts on my life was in the year 2000 when our founding pastor, Steve Andrews, and I dragged our daughters, our young daughters, to India. I had never been out of the country, I think, except to Canada. And here I found myself on the other side of the world and was experiencing things I'd never experienced before. And literally, it broke my heart. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, for days and days when I came back, I just wept with what I experienced there. And I believe God had put it in my heart to make a difference in that part of the world. And that gave birth to what Kensington now calls our global impact strategy, which is to find people who have a calling from God, a vision from God to make an impact in their area of the world for us to come alongside of them and most importantly, build friendship get to know them, build relationship, lifelong, deep, committed relationship with them, and then for us to ask God, what do you want us to do to support them? How can we resource them? And now every year in 11 places, we are having impact through our global partners. It's really their work, but we support them in this work. And I think one of the beautiful things that happens like it did for me is it changes our lives. My whole direction of my life changed because of what I experienced in India. And so we invite you to consider how you might participate. And actually, many of you already have. You've participated in a variety of ways, and we are so grateful. And I just want to say thank you for that. But as you watch those images, I'm praying that something stirred in your heart, that there was some nudge you felt, that you need to go, you need to experience this, or you need to support this in some way. I would say to you, listen to that in the coming year. Respond to God. What is he saying to you? How can you make a difference, not just here, but some other place in the world? And again, I just want to express my gratitude for all that you saw there does not happen without you, and we are so grateful. Yeah, what a great thing to celebrate. Um, my name is Suzanne Martinez, and I am the guest services and local outreach coordinator here at the Troy campus. So if you are joining us online, welcome. Um, we just watched a video just celebrating the amazing things that God is doing. And he's um, doing those things right now um, in this video through the people of Kensington Church. And that means you. That means you in the, um, sitting here in the auditorium. That means you watching on, on stream. Um, that means you who are praying, who are giving, and who are actually participating in those mission trips. So awesome, way to go. Um, I want you, we're gonna get up and greet each other this morning and we are going to, this is my challenge to you, turn to somebody who you're sitting next to and tell them if you've ever been on a mission trip, if you would ever go on a mission trip and where you would like to go if you wanna go on one. So get to greeting.
find a seat, we would like to welcome to you Kensington Church Small Group Matchmaker. How this is going to work is we have some very special guests who have submitted some biographies, and we are going to try to find a match for them with all of our small groups right here. So will you help me in welcoming our first contestant, Miss Ella Vader? Ella is a mobile 24-year-old. She recently graduated from California University of Los Angeles and plans to attend law school at Harvard Online. She's interested in connecting with others at Kensington through thought-provoking conversations, engaging speakers, and asking those tough questions. Can we find a group for Miss Ella? <clears throat> Will it be Alpha? Will it be Insights? Encounter? How about 1829? Give it up for our friend, Ella. Next, we would like to welcome to the stage another special person, Miss Sue Flay. Miss Sue is a self-described introvert, but she is hoping to break out of her shell and looking for a small group for the first time. She's a stay-at-home mom and hoping to match with other women who can encourage her and support her on this journey. Do we have a group for her? We do. She has joined the Young Moms Group. That's really awesome. Congratulations, Sue. Next, we want to welcome to our stage our friend, Mr. Earl E. Bird. Earl has been coming to Kensington for a number of years and used to attend a men's small group, but it recently started meeting at 6 in the morning, and that's just too early for him. He's looking for a group that meets later in the evening. He's open to either a men's group or a mixed group. Do we have a group for Mr. Earl? Which one will he pick? He has picked full throttle. He's gonna be working on some cars, awesome. Next, I would like to welcome to the stage the one, the only Mr. Jim Shorts. Jim, welcome. Jim is an avid, some would say rabid sports fan. He can be found any wa watching any live event from high school football to community college track and field. He wants to find a way to connect with the group, even though his fandom keeps him on the road quite a bit. Sounds like a tall order, but I think we can find a group for him. Mr. Jim Shorts, can you please pick a, oh, he's picked Faith at Work. Give it up for our friend, Jim. Next, we have a real outdoorsy type, but a guy that also has a sensitive side. This is Mr. Rowan Boatman. Rowan is super involved here at Kensington. He leads a middle school group. He's on the coffee and the traffic team. He knits and quilts with the prayer shawl ministry, but he's looking to dive into somewhere where he can serve and have conversations. Who is he going to pick? He's going to pick Full Throttle, another happy match and last but not least we want to invite our friend miss sarah bellum to the stage sarah recently moved back to the area and she's hoping to find a connection with other people in a similar stage of life she's recently single and works full-time and would prefer something on the weekends <laughs> she'd love to find a way to dive deeper into weekly messages and apply them to her everyday life sarah go ahead and pick a group which one will it be? She is going to go to the 30s and 40s single group. Can you give all of our contestants a round of applause today as they have found the perfect match for them? I'm going to invite Miss Suzanne and Mr. Corey up to the stage to kind of give us some next steps about groups. Would you help me in welcoming them? Contestants, Look at that, Calvin giving a plug right. for Bible Basics on his way out. <laughs> Can never plug them too much, Can right? Can never. Oh, and the Alpha. If you, if you don't know about Alpha, go out to the lobby and check them out. It's a great group. Absolutely. So, <laughs> somebody get the hook. Get that guy off the stage. Uh, <laughs> well, um, again, I'm Suzanne, and this is Corey, and Corey is our Director of Discipleship here at the Troy Campus, and we want to talk to you about groups. We have groups and groups and groups. The people that you saw here are just a small portion of the different group options that we have here. Um, and today is the day to learn more. Yeah. So actually, we have something really cool going on. We are showcasing all of our groups 
Uh, we have people out in the lobby who have tables that kind of represent just a handful of the things going on. Some of them are the people that you've seen on stage. If you want to get connected, we're going to try to make it really easy for you. Um, you can text GROUP to this number right here, and it's going to go to a real person. It's not going to send you to a computer. It's going to send you to me. Um, hopefully, after this service, my phone will blow up with everybody who is looking for a way to get involved in a group. Um, if you don't know what kind of group you're looking for and you, you don't want to look through our website, you can also text me and just text that same number and say, men's ministry, singles ministry, family ministry, um, even serve, like finding a way to get involved uh, because I want to help you find your place. We often say here at Kensington that small groups are a place to make a big church feel small. Uh, but really, it's, it's more than that. It's a place where we, you can be challenged, convicted, supported, encouraged um, in your journey towards Christ-likeness. Everything that we're trying to do in our discipleship is to bring you closer to Jesus, to uh, help your faith develop into a way that impacts the way that you live. So we do this in community. We do this in support of one another. And this is just one way that you can get involved. And I'd love to see you guys um, plug in there. Yeah, so just a reminder, a lot of times um, if you send a text message, you're nervous that it's going to actually just go to wherever lost text messages go, or maybe if somebody does respond to you that it's going to be a robot, but we're so fancy here that we have a real live person who holds a real working phone who will respond to you in a real person way. Mm -hmm. So if you do that now, he will not respond to you because he's up here with me. Um, but if you do that after the service or during the week, then Corey will get back to you and we will point you in the right direction for whichever group you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And we have a ton of opportunities starting up this week. So as you're looking at your calendar, you're looking for a way to get involved. Um, this is a great time uh, at this point of the year. Oh. Yes, awesome. Thanks, Corey. Absolutely. Let's give it up for Corey. And I just want to share something um, about groups because we stand up here and we talk about groups a lot and you're uh, out in the lobby and you hear about groups a lot, but the reality of it is sometimes groups are scary. Um, it feels kind of weird to go to somebody and be like, hey, I want to join a group with you. Will you be my friend? And um, sometimes we feel like that's it just kind of feels weird, but it's worth it. It's worth every single awkward moment to take that step and plug in and say, hey, I wanna join a group. These are not groups that you are going to be in for the rest of your life. You may have a group that is a bomb and you decide, oh my gosh, I am out. And that's okay too. None of these are permanent. None of these are like a blood life pact. It's okay um, just to try it. And sometimes you have to try more than once. And sometimes it's the fantastic fit right to begin with. Um, my husband and I got married and then right away we moved across the country. I mean, like one week later, we were in a part of the country that we had never been to and um, never even seen, no family around. And we have not lived close to family ever. And um, the people that we have been in small groups with became our family. And those were the people who watched our baby when we had another baby. Those were the people who packed up our moving truck and helped us move across the country. These were the people who come across the continent to celebrate the big things in your life. Um, so I just really encourage you and want you to know that it's worth every single awkward step to get into a group. So let me ask you this question too. Do you know who was like the ultimate groups guy? Jesus, thank you. <laughs> we are in week two of our three-week series this week, and it's questions that we, question for you, sorry. These are questions that Jesus asked his disciples and people who followed him and people who tracked with him, who would be kind of his group. Um, and we're going to watch a video right now that leads us into the second week and this next big question from Jesus.
<laughs> Thank you, Scotty. So just by a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever had a car like this? How many of us? Probably most of us, if not all of us. Let me ask you another question. How many of you have a car like this right now? Right? Yes, you are my people because that is my car. Because honestly, I felt like we could have used my car in this video because everything that's wrong with that car is wrong with mine. And my kids hate my car. They hate riding it. I feel like they're a little bit embarrassed. But you know what? I love it. Right? And I love it because it has so much character. It has so many memories. And the most important thing is that it's paid off, which makes it amazing, right? But the other vehicle that Robin and I have is a minivan. And it's a lot newer, and we've never had any issues with it, really until this past spring. And early on in the spring, whenever we would drive this thing, the steering wheel would start vibrating ever so slightly. And so I was thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe it's, it was a long winter. Maybe we hit one too many potholes. Probably the wheels need to be aligned. And so at some point, I'll take it in and get it looked at and fixed. But it quickly started getting worse and worse and worse. And the steering wheel wasn't vibrating anymore, but in fact, it started shaking. And so even at that point, I was like, yeah, no big deal, right? It's like, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just get it looked at at some point in the next couple of weeks when I have some free time. And of course, that free time never came. And it got so bad that Robin finally said to me that we, meaning me, we need to take this thing in and get it looked at and fixed. And so I finally did. I listened to her, right, because I needed to. And I brought it in. And the mechanic who looked at it, he came and said to me that it was the easiest diagnosis that he ever had to make. Because it wasn't that the wheels were misaligned, but rather one of the tires was literally splitting apart. And he said that if you had continued to ignore this issue, who knows what would have happened? And this is the question. Why do we do this? Because we all do it in different parts of our life. Rather than paying attention to the warning signs and getting the help that we need, why do we just ignore the issues in our life and just hope that they'll just magically just disappear or figure themselves out on their own, which of course never happens? Why do we place duct tape over the hurts, habits, and hangups in our life? And probably many of us know, as we continue to ignore, as we continue to deny, as we continue just to stuff and stuff our issues, they don't go anywhere, but rather they just pile up in our life. And they pile up and they pile up until they reach a breaking point. And when that happens, it's not just we who break, but it also breaks the relationships to a certain degree around us as well. Because when we're impacted, that doesn't just, those issues don't just stay with us, but it also impacts the people around us. And most of the time, it's the people who are the closest to us, the people who we love the most. And especially over these past couple of years, we have all been through so much. And what I do know is that so many things have piled up and piled up and piled up in our life. And so the question is, is that what are we supposed to do? And where can we find the hope and the healing and the freedom that so many of us so desperately desire in our life. And this is what we're going to be talking about. This is what we're going to be focusing on today as we're in the second week of our series, Question for You. So as we continue on, would you join me in prayer? So God, we thank you. We're grateful, Lord. And I'm grateful for this community, the people who are here, the people who are watching online, the people who will be watching later on as well, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful community that you have brought together, God. And so we pray that as we continue to look at another important question in this series, a question that is so incredibly relevant for every single one of us today, that only as you can, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today, Lord, and that you would also give us the courage to move towards you as you nudge us, that we would be a community, that we would be a people who say yes to you. And we pray these things in your son's powerful name. Amen. And so the story that we're going to be looking at is found in the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament. And so this is what John tells us. He sort of tells us, sort of sets the scene for us. And he writes, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And so this is what was happening. And so John tells us there's a festival going on in Jerusalem. But he doesn't tell us the name of the festival, probably because it's not that important for us to understand the story. But this is what we have to recognize. That because there was a festival, the atmosphere in Jerusalem would have been electric. 
there would have been a buzz because thousands of people would have entered into the city to celebrate. And Jesus was there. But rather than being in the middle of the festivities, which would have been at the temple, he was at a pool. And around this pool were all of these people, people who were blind, people who were paralyzed, had all these diseases, all of these physical ailments. They are there. And the reason why they were there at that pool wasn't because they liked swimming, but rather because they believed a myth, a legend, a superstition that said that occasionally an angel would show up and stir up the waters. And the first person who hit that water and entered into that pool would miraculously be healed. But what the people didn't understand was that the stirring of the water didn't come from an angel, but rather it came from an underground, underground spring which occasionally would bubble up. But even though this was the case, these people still held on to this myth. They still held on to this belief because for many of them, it was the only hope that they had. The only hope they had to once again walk again, to see again, to be free of a disease that had held them back and ostracized them from society. And one of the people who was there, out of all of the people who were there, out of all of the people who needed help, what Jesus did was that he singled out one man that day. One man who John tells us had been paralyzed for 38 years, a long time. And we don't know whether this man had been sitting around this pool for 38 years, but what we do know, because John tells us later, is that this man had been disappointed time and time again. And, but yet, he still showed up. And he was there that day, still holding on to the slightest bit of hope that his life could be changed. But on this day, he would be approached by a stranger who would ask him a question and his life would be completely transformed. And this was the question that Jesus asked him and the question that we're going to be looking at today. John tells us, when, John, when Jesus saw him, this paralyzed man, lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, this is the question, do you want to get well? He's asking a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years, do you want to get well? And when you read this question, when I read this question almost every single time, I'm embarrassed for Jesus. And if I was with Jesus, I'd probably be doing one of these, right? It's like, really, Jesus? Read the room. Are you kidding me? All of these people, why do you think they're here? They want to be healed. They're tired of being sick. They're tired of being blind. Of course they want to be healed. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Why would you ever ask a question like that? And it's so interesting. But yet... Jesus being Jesus, we have to sort of give him, or at least try to give him the benefit of the doubt because there must have been a reason, a good reason why he was asking this question and there was. Because one of the reasons why I believe he posed this question to this man was that as John tells us, he had been in this state, this man, for 38 long years. And when you actually do the math, that's almost 14,000 days, 14,000 days that he had been in this state. And if we do anything for almost four decades, we get used to it. It may be something that we dislike. It may be even something that we hate, but it becomes familiar, maybe even a little bit comfortable for us. And I can imagine for this man, even his condition became familiar, maybe even a little bit comfortable to him. Maybe even just a little bit. And if he actually said yes, to Jesus, what it would mean was that all of this would be disrupted because he had his ways of doing things. He had his routines. He knew what exactly he could and could not do. But if he said yes, all of this would be changed because ultimately the question that Jesus is asking him is that do you want to experience change in your life? Do you want to continue to live in this way? Do you want to continue to go down this road or do you want something else? And if he said yes, all of it would be disrupted. But it's not just disruption. It would actually require something of him. It would require him to do this, to let go, to let go of the familiar, to let go of what he knew, and probably most importantly, to let go of control, to let go of the control of his life and to follow Jesus wherever he would lead him. And the reality is, is that none of us, none of us here in the room and watching on stream like doing that. We love to be in the driver's seat because when we're not, scary things can happen. But even though, even though Jesus knew what was the absolute best thing for this man, he didn't force it on him. And 
That's one of the things that I absolutely love about Jesus because he asks him the question, do you actually want to get well? Do you actually want to change? Having lived this life for almost four decades, you have to make that decision. And, and I love, again, I love that about Jesus because this is how he is with all of us. He's gentle and he's kind. And even though he knows all the hurts, habits, and hangups in my life and in yours, he doesn't say, hey, you know what? You have to do this, you have to do that. I'm gonna force you to do that. He doesn't do that. But he rather, he invites us on a journey. And he says, come, come. And if you follow me, I will show you what true life is and you can have your life transformed. He's gentle and he is kind. And years ago, and I'm talking like years ago, in my early 20s, I used to work for a humanitarian organization called Mercy Ships. And while I was working for that organization, I met a man named Scott Harrison. And Scott had been a nightclub promoter for 10 years in New York, which meant that his job every single night was to get good-looking and famous people into the right clubs. And the thing was, is that when you looked at his life, he had the life that so many people in our world want. He had the life that so many people in our world are chasing after. And he thought this was a life that would make him happy. Because every night he was in the hottest clubs in the city. He was sitting at the owner's table drinking the most expensive champagne. He had an amazing apartment in midtown Manhattan. He was driving a BMW and, he was di and his girlfriend was regularly on the cover of magazines like Elle and Vogue. And so you would have thought that he had it all. But he said that rather than experiencing this feeling of joy and satisfaction and significance, he was actually empty and numb and dead inside. And he developed a drinking problem, a drug problem, a gambling problem, a pornography problem. You name it, he had it. And it was one day while he was on vacation in Uruguay that he realized that he had become the worst version of himself. And he said to himself, I don't want to live this life anymore. And he realized that he needed a drastic change. So when he went back to New York, he quit his job. He sold everything that he had. And he started applying to volunteer at humanitarian organizations all around the world. But nobody, no organization would accept him because of his past other than one, this organization called Mercy Ships. And they said that if you want to volunteer with us, you actually have to pay us $500 a month for this privilege. And so he said, sold, signed me up, gave them his credit card, and off he went. And when he finally got to the ship, he met a man named Dr. Gary Parker, who was our chief medical officer. And like Scott, Dr. Gary had initially signed up to volunteer for a period of three months because at the time he had a thriving surgical practice back in LA. That was 21 years ago. And he met his wife on the ship. He met, he, they raised their kids on the ship. And Dr. Gary had a huge impact on Scott's life because Scott looked at his life. He looked at Dr. Gary's life and he looked at him and he said, your purpose, your mission in life is so much bigger than money or success or career. You are living for something that is greater. And he also saw that he had this sense of hope and peace and joy that wasn't rooted in a circumstance, but rather it was rooted in something that was unchanging that he would see him go through some of the most difficult and heartbreaking situations. And he still had that hope. He still had that peace and he still had that joy. And he looked at his life and he said, that's what I want. That's what I've been chasing after. And I haven't been able to find it. And what he was seeing was that he wasn't seeing Dr. Gary. And what he was drawn to was Jesus in him, but he didn't know it. But what he did knew know was that if he was actually going to move in this direction, that he would have to leave behind all of these vices, all of these addictions that had held him captive for so long. And so one day, one night, he actually said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the drugs, the porn, the alcohol. I am done with the gambling. And he walked away and he has never, ever touched it since. And he found this and that what God orchestrated in his life was this extraordinary healing this extraordinary freedom, just like that. And this is what I want to tell you, is that this is so important for me to say, and I'm not saying that God always works in this way. I'm not saying, but this is the way that God worked in Scott's life in that moment. Because sometimes our freedom, sometimes our healing can come in a moment, can come in an instant, because God is the God of the universe and he can do whatever he wants. Healing can come like that. But other times, healing and freedom in our life is a journey, it's a process that may require weeks, months, years, maybe even decades. 
But this is Scott's story. And this is what happened in his life. And for every single one of us, we all have these issues in our life. When we look at these issues, we think, you know what? I just want to be healed. I just want to be free. And just in talking to so many people over the past year in this community, some of the things that people in our community are struggling with are things like loneliness, loss, grief, despair, addictions, marriages that are totally, relationships that are totally falling apart, children who are dealing with issues. And parents are looking at them thinking, you know what, I have no idea how to help you. And if this is us, the question that I believe that Jesus is asking us today is do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to experience change in your life? And our natural natural knee-jerk reaction may be, of course I do, Jesus. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Of course I want to experience change. But this is the thing, that if we actually say yes, it will require something of us. It will require us to move. It will require us to let go of the familiar, to let go of maybe even what is comfortable and has become comfortable to us It will require us to let go of control and to follow Jesus wherever he would lead us. And maybe for some of us, we hear that and we're like, "Mm mm-mm, not ready for that, right? Because even though my life is difficult, even though my life is challenging, at least it's familiar and at least I'm in control. But if this is the change that you desire to make in your life, and if you say yes to this question of, do you want to get well? It truly is the first step in us experiencing freedom and healing in our life. Do you want to get well? Do you want to experience change? And something that Robin and I are struggling with, and maybe for some of you parents out there, you are struggling with this as well. I've talked to a lot of parents, and so many of us are struggling in this area. And so one of the things that I wanted to do also is to point us to a resource. Because right now, especially in this digital age that we are experiencing, it is really hard to help our children and to lead our children navigate this digital world that we are currently living in. One of the aspects being, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called the World Wide Web. And it can be a beautiful place, but at the same time, it can be also a very toxic and broken place as well. And so to help us, one of the things that we want to do is I want to point you to a night that's going to be coming up in just a, actually 10 days. And so Wednesday, September 28th, you see it on the side screens and it's a faith and family event. And we're going to be bringing in an expert from an organization, a great, great organization called Protecting Young Eyes. And he is going to equip and educate us as parents and as caregivers as to how to better lead our children in in this digital age. So if you'd like more information, you can go to our app or you can go to the website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash faith and family, and you can also register there. But let me say, there are so many things that are going on right now. So many things that are launching, whether it's groups, courses, events like this. Man camp is coming up in a few short weeks for all of you men. That's going to be a powerful experience. But none of this would would be possible without your generosity. And so I want to say thank you because every single week, we could tell so many stories of what God is doing, what God is doing just through our various communities. And it would not be able to happen without the open-handedness of all of you. And so one of the things that we also want to do right now is we want to receive our offering. So ushers, I want to invite you to come forward. And if you weren't here last week, last week we shifted things and we actually started passing the offering pouch again. And if you have been a part of Kensington for years, you know this, but if you have been here for less than two and a half years, you probably never experienced this because we stopped this at the beginning of the pandemic to reduce the number of high touch uh, surfaces. And one of the things that we experienced over the past two and a half years is that so many of you sent in checks and mailed us checks. And we've had conversations with you and you have told us that very easily you could have switched to electronic giving. But every single time you write that check, it's a reminder to you that your giving is an act of worship. And that really it's not primarily about money, it's about mission, being on mission with other people in this community and most importantly, being on mission with God. And so this is primarily for people, for those of us who give via paper, but even for those of us who do not give via paper, it's a reminder to us that truly this is a continuation of our act of worship. And if you would like to give, maybe not by paper, but electronically, you see the different options on the screen. We can scan the QR code. We can text the word Kensington to 77977. We can give via the app 
or the website as well. But ultimately, I want to say thank you for your generosity because it does have an impact, not just here in our area, but truly all around the world. But jumping back into our story, what we see is, is that this man, paralyzed for 38 long years, Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to experience change in your life? And this was the man's response. And he says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And what I find so interesting about this man's response is that standing, literally standing right in front of him was everything that he needed to be healed. Everything that he needed to be healed. But yet he's still focused on the pool. And the reason was is because he had placed his hope, he had placed his faith and his trust in a myth, in a legend, in a something rather than in a someone. And what Jesus does is that he wipes this all away. He sweeps it all away in an instant with one command. Because what Jesus says to him is that he says, I don't know how he said it, whether he said it aggressively or peacefully or whatever it is, but he says to this man, get up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And I don't know how this man did it because who knows, maybe this guy was 38 years old and he had been born paralyzed. Maybe he suffered a terrible accident and for 38 years he hadn't been able to walk. But I can't imagine that the guy just sprang up to his, to his feet and just started walking. I can imagine that he probably put one foot in front of, his, front of another and was feeling this weird sensation of walking again, something that he may not have ever experienced in his life. And so he's going and he's walking around the city and him and Jesus get separated. And what happens to this man is that he runs into the religious leaders and they have an interesting conversation because John continues by saying, at once the man was cured. Right after Jesus said, get up and walk, he was. And so he picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. And this is what's important. Right? Because one of the things is what they're talking about is one of the Ten Commandments that Jesus gave to us as his people was don't work seven days a week. Take one day to rest. But just like rest is different for us, because the way that I rest is probably not the way that you rest. It was the same thing back in the first century A.D., And so what the religious leaders did was that they created all of these extra laws, all of these extra rules that said, hey, this is what it means to rest. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And one of the things that they couldn't do was to pick up their mat and carry it because that was considered work. And so they're talking about this, busting him for this. But this was the thing. They were so focused, these religious leaders, they were so focused on these human-made rules that because they believe that that would give them life, that would give them salvation, that they missed the bigger picture of what Jesus was doing. Because imagine, imagine if you had a neighbor who had been paralyzed for 38 years, not able to walk in a wheelchair for almost four decades. And one morning, it's a Saturday morning and you are sound asleep. You have had the longest week and you are snoring away. But what wakes you up is the sound of a lawnmower. And you're wondering, who in the world? You look out your window, it's still dark. You look at your clock, it's 4.30 in the morning. And you're thinking, who in the world is going to mow their lawn at 4.30 in the morning? And so you get out of bed, you're frustrated and agitated, and you look out, and it's your neighbor, right? And he's not just walking, the guy is mowing his lawn. And so you open up the window, and you yell out to him, Stan, Stan, are you crazy? It's 4.30 in the morning. Stop mowing your lawn. You're going to wake up my kids. If you keep doing this, I'm going to call the cops on you. And then you slam the window closed and you go back to bed. You know what? None of us would do that. Because if we saw our neighbor walking for the first time in 38 years, we would run out the door in our pajamas, probably do some cartwheels, and we'd be celebrating and mowing the lawn right there. We'd probably wake up the whole neighborhood to come and celebrate. We wouldn't be focused on the lawn mowing because we would understand that something greater and something more beautiful had happened. It's exactly what we see with these religious leaders. They're focused on human-made rules. They're focused on the lawn mowing yet something extraordinary had happened and they totally missed it. It's adventures and missing the point. And my hope for us as a community is that would never be the case for us. 
that we wouldn't be so focused on rules and laws and traditions and certain ways of doing things. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but we wouldn't be so focused down here that we wouldn't lift our eyes to see what God is doing, not only in the people around us, but also in the world around us as well, that we would have those types of eyes. And so this man is having this interesting conversation with, this, with these religious leaders and they bust him on this. And you know who he blames? Blames Jesus, right? And so of course he does. So Jesus is an easy scapegoat. And so John, in the last portion of our passage, he says, but he replied, meaning the man who had been healed, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And so the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. And so Jesus physically healed this man. But what's so powerful to me is that Jesus didn't stop at the healing that this man wanted, but he continued on and he offered him the healing that he needed. Because after this conversation with the religious leaders, Jesus goes and he finds him. And he finds this man and he points him to a different future. A future that would give him what he, his soul was so desperately longing for. A future that would make him whole. And going back to Scott Harrison's story, one of the countries that we visited while we were on the ship was the West African country of Liberia. And it was in Liberia that Scott saw for the very first time in his life people drinking dirty water. And he heard the stories, he learned the statistics of how when people drink this dirty water, so often they contract diseases, some people even die. And how children cannot go to school because they don't have access to clean water. And so they have, it's oftentimes the children and the women who are doing this work who have to walk miles every single day, spend hours every single day trying to find water. And many times the water is dirty and they have to carry it back to their villages to cook with, to clean with, to drink. And it's dirty, dirty water. And they would get physically injured. And if you've been a part of Hope Water Project here at Kensington, you saw it a little bit in the celebration video that we showed earlier is that you understand these things. And so Scott saw these things. He heard these stories and he went back to New York and he created a nonprofit called Charity Water. And what he did was that he leveraged all, his, all of his contacts. He used his skills and he has devoted his life to raising money to build wells all around the world so people can have access to clean water. And in the 15 years that Charity Water has been in existence, they have been able to raise more than $640 million and provide access to clean water for 15 million people around the world. Isn't that extraordinary? It's incredible. Kids can go to school now. People don't die anymore. Women do not have hernias. All of these things, families are able to come together and actually spend time together. All these beautiful things are able to happen. But when I look at Scott's story, that healing that he experienced from the drugs, the alcohol, the gambling, and all of that, that healing was the beginning. It wasn't the end because so much more happened because what Jesus did was that he didn't stop at the healing that Scott wanted, but he continued on and he offered him the healing that he needed. And he said, come, come with me and I'll take you on the greatest ride of your life. And I know that if all of us was to, were to ask him, if he was right here, he would say that his relationship with Jesus and rediscovering that has been the greatest thing in his life because he looked for hope, he looked for peace, he looked for joy, he looked for love and all of these different things. And it left him numb, empty and dying inside. And he found Jesus and it totally transformed him. And now he's truly pursuing something. And it's not even a something, but truly is a someone that is so different. And it's incredible because the thing is, is that he's journeying with the ultimate healer, the ultimate healer, the only one who was able to make him whole. And so this is the question for all of us today that I believe that Jesus is asking us, do we want to get well? Do you want to get well? And where we are, in our life circumstance, do we actually want to change? 
Because we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our life that we've been putting that duct tape on or that duct tape has been there for a really long time and we're trying to ignore and hope that it never comes up again, but it's there and it rears its ugly head occasionally. And Jesus is saying, hey, do you actually want to be healed from that? Do you actually want to be free? He's standing right in front of us, just like he was doing with this paralyzed man saying, hey, you know what? I want to make you whole. And I want to heal you, not just from what you want, but I'm offering the healing that you need. And all we have to do is say yes. And what would happen? What could happen if we actually chose to lean in to Jesus and to say, yes, yes, I want this. And to actually take that first step of following Jesus towards that freedom and that liberation. And one of the places that I truly believe that we can experience this is in the context of groups, whether it's a small group, whether it's a care group, whether it's a course, whatever it may be, because I truly believe in the power of community because it's in community that we're able to rub shoulders with other people, people who are willing to pray for us, encourage us, cry with us, stand with us. People who over and over and over again are willing to point us to Jesus. And so when you look at your life and you see, hey, you know what? I don't have these people in my life. Now is a great time to take that first step. And all you have to do is see it right there. All you have to do is text the word group to 248-781-2757 and it'll go right to Corey's phone. And he would love to have a conversation with you because we have so many groups. And we love for you to jump into that because there are so many people who have experienced that healing and that freedom as a result. But do you actually want to get well? Do we want to get well? And so the question is, is uh, what step will we take? Because Jesus is standing right there and saying, come, would you follow me? Are we willing to say yes? That is the question. So God, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that this is the invitation that you extend to us. And it's because you so deeply love us, Lord, and you desire for us to live a life where we're not chained, Lord, to addictions and all these other things that have held us down for so long, but you desire to make us whole. But at the same time, it requires something of us as well, not to just stay where we are, but actually take a step towards you. And thank you, Lord, that you are kind and that you are gentle and that you never force things on us. But Lord, you extend your hand and you invite us on the most incredible journey. That's what Scott Experience, that's what so many of us have experienced as well. Give us the courage, the humility as you nudge us to say yes to you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So as we sing this last song together, our desire is really that we hear today the invitation of Jesus because of what he did on the cross, because he hung on a Roman cross, because he died, he bore all of our sin, all of our addiction, even our sickness. So if you sing, as we sing this song, I just, I would invite you to hear the invitation of Jesus to come to him. And we just would open our hearts in this moment. Are you hurting? And broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. is called 
those first few lines of that song. Are you hurting? Are you broken inside? Are you overwhelmed by life? And I was thinking about it in the first service and I have felt overwhelmed in these first few weeks with everything that is going on. And I can imagine that many of you feel the same way. And Jesus says, come, come, and you will find rest for your soul in me. And I can provide you with that healing and that freedom that you desire. And so today and this coming week that we would be people who lean into Jesus for that rest and for that freedom. And for any of you in this room who would like somebody to pray with you, to pray for you, because sometimes, sometimes we need that. Our prayer team will be down front as well. But thank you so much. Love for you to talk, have a conversation out in the lobby if you're interested in jumping into a group. But thank you so much and have a great rest of your weekend, everyone. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.